Man, Christ's journey, how awesome it is to be together today. What a great day. What an awesome day, Christ's journey family. I'm so excited to welcome you to the, all of those joining us online, to everybody who's connected to the Christ's journey family, and especially to our young people's takeover Sunday. What an incredible job they've been doing. And I, you know, I thought that I would be present live in person, able to celebrate, lift my hands with the rest of us and clap them for our students doing such a great job. But I came down with COVID on Monday. Mm. <laughs> I know. And then I did my very best to get over it. And on Saturday, I still tested positive. So you got to pray for me to be more negative, would you please? <laughs> and then let's celebrate that we have such a team of tech wizards on our staff, worship arts, production, incredible leadership that has allowed me to join. They're undaunted by this. They love a challenge. They like fixing a problem. And so I wanna say thank you to the guys that made this happen so that I could join you live. And today I could also say, welcome Luis Santa Marina. Can we give it up for Luis? Thank you guys. I'm so thrilled, Lewis, that you're sharing the platform today and assisting in the teaching. And um, I know at the same time, many of us know you, have known you for a while, but some may still be getting acquainted. So would you mind helping us understand a little bit more? Your family's been here for quite some time. How long have you been at Christ Journey and how long have you been serving on staff? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm about 26 years old right now. So my family's been coming to this church about 26 years. We've been part of this family, and uh, I've been on staff for about three years, so it's been a while, right? <laughs> on the way, Jesus became real to you more than just another word. When did that happen? Yeah, so when Jesus became more than a word to me. Um, some of you guys might have realized this right here. Um, you know, you dig around a church closet long enough, and you find some old stuff, right? And this is this right here. And Jesus became more than a word to me because of this. This was actually one of the first church camps I'd ever gone to. Um, I had yeah. to be a sophomore, probably freshman in high school. Jesus became more of a word to me here, right? And this is because an antisocial, shy high schooler found community and is one of the biggest reasons why I'm actually standing here right in front of you guys today. Um, I'm so glad. Yeah. And today... We are taking step five in this journey to freedom that we're calling Jesus Gets Us in this series. What do you hope that students will be taking away from today's sharing? Hmm. Well, well, first, let's give a round of applause for our students who are volunteering around here. Oh. Guest services, online, worship, right? And the first thing I want our students to get out of today is that this church family right here, this congregation, like, we have your back, all right? We all have your back. So that is the first thing I want you guys to get out of this. And the second thing, we're going to be talking about this a little more, but it is a freeing feeling. There is healing involved, and we can share our wrongs, and we can confess to those we trust and love, right, that we have messed up. So that's what I want you guys to get out of this today. Okay, well then tell us, what is it about this step that makes it matter so much to you? Yeah, and again, we're going to be talking about this a little more, but it's, it's, it's honestly very hard to explain, um, but it has surpassed my expectations of how freeing this step was 
for me and my growing up through this church. Okay, so some irony going on. When you step into it, yeah. you get more free, but it doesn't look like it on the front end. Uh, one Bible verse that speaks to that for me is Proverbs 28, 13. Look at this with me. This is worth remembering. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. In other words, sometimes keeping secrets keeps us stalled in our progress. But the one who confesses them and renounces them finds mercy. That's God's opening the door of freedom. So at the same time, what comes to some as an obstacle that actually stalls their progress, others take advantage of and opens a door of mercy and healing and freedom. And that's what we're praying today could happen for every one of us. Jesus told a story about that happening for somebody. Lewis, would you read the story, the parable for us? Yeah, of course. This is, it comes from Luke 18, 9 through 14. And it says this, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told his parable. Two men went up to pray, one Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. Um, he wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me. A sinner, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Thank you, Lewis. Mm -hmm. So the scenario is two guys go to the same temple. One guy prays to himself about himself, and then he sees himself as better than other people, including the guy who is truly humbled before God and admitting before God and himself in front of others wrongs that he had done in the way that he was living. And then Jesus said, one of those guys went home more free that day than the other, and it wasn't the guy who was full of himself. It was the one who was willing to admit his need, to admit where he'd crossed the line, to admit where he was at fault and his wrongs. So this story and step five in recovery programs have something in common. See if you can tell what it is. Step five in 12-step program says this, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. So immediately it's like, okay, both of them claim there's value in admitting our wrongs before God, before ourselves, before another human being. Now in AA, they say this, they, they say that when it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than step five, the one we're talking about right now. But scarcely any step is more necessary to long-time sobriety and a peace of mind than this one. So in other words, if you want mental health, if you want peace of mind, this is essential. What we're talking about today, the step of admission. Now, Dr. E. Stanley Jones is a uh, missionary to India. He told a story about finding a group of university students who 
had what they called a society for the mutual confession of sins. And he commended them. He, he told them that to his knowledge, this was unique and, um, and most, most commendable for young people to be honest enough before God to admit their faults to one another, to admit their sins. And one of the students then interrupted him and said, oh, no, Dr. Jones, we don't admit our own sins. We admit those of other people. Well, somehow, you know, this wasn't what he was talking about. James, the pastor in Jerusalem, wrote it this way, confess your sins to each other, your own sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the shared value between step five and Jesus' parable and what James just wrote about was the value in admitting before God, before yourself, and then before other human beings, the wrong that has come into your life. Confession opens the way for healing. So what I would like to do for just a moment is tell you how this happened for me early in my spiritual training at seminary. A sage, older, retired missionary from China was meeting with a group of students and mentoring us on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was one of those students. And uh, I was instructed that the confession of sin was absolutely essential, that if I wanted to be filled with the fresh filling of the Spirit of God, then I must be emptied of myself and emptied of my sin, all acknowledged sin in my life. And, um, and then I was told to get before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me about that by praying Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. Well, I took it to heart. I went deep. And as, as I prayed, I, I then wrote down every offense that came to mind that I had committed. Every character defect, every sin, every mistake, every broken promise, any broken commandment of God. I mean, everything. And I was told to take plenty of paper. And I used plenty. I still remember I, how I felt looking at that list. I didn't like it, and it wasn't the last time I did such a spiritual exercise for cleansing, but at that time, it was very apparent that my life was the factory that had produced all that pollution that I was looking at on the paper before me, and the Lord wanted me to face the truth of my deep need and to see it before him, every page of my list, I was then told to write these letters across, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and all the sins of Bill's world. And so the missionary then helped guide my prayer and then helped me receive by faith the gift of God's forgiveness. 
that had already been given in Christ, and then lay my shame burden down, and then leave it with God. Now, later, I, uh, I burned that list, lit it on fire, held it over a toilet bowl, and burned that list over the toilet, and watched the ashes go into the water, and then listened to it, and watched it as it flushed out of my life. Jesus takes away the sins of Bill's world. And that happened for me because I had a trusted, trustworthy mentor who became a safe place for me to come clean and then who received me, affirmed me, loved me unconditionally in front of God, myself, and another human being. That's this step. Now, Lewis and I visited about that in our preparation, and he has a story he'd like to share as well. Lewis? Yeah, thanks, Bill. And, and this, this subject is so important to me, and here's why. When I was a student, okay, when I was a student running around here, there was a rebellious aspect of me where I would literally go to anyone, I'll talk to anyone but my parents. How many, how many parents out there can relate to that, right? A lot of you, <laughs> some of you guys, right? Um, but here's the thing. I'm blessed and thankful to have amazing parents that continuously took me to church on Sundays, even though I didn't talk. I didn't talk much at all, but they continuously took me on Sundays, and in that, they set me up to where I can meet wise and wise and strong Christian people so that I can talk to. And these mentors of mine played such an important role in changing the directory of my life. And, and these are people I trust and love dearest. Like some of them are actually watching right now, which is really cool. Um, but even though these are people I trust and love, to be honest with you, coming clean and confessing to them, that, that didn't come easy at all, right? The, the, idea, the idea of someone seeing the true me, right? Like I did not like that thought. And even more so, if I confess, if I shared with them everything that's going on here in my life, would they simply be kind to me? And I think that's, that's questions that we, we all ask. A few mentors in my life are, were really important, but one of them I want to specifically talk about, and his name was Tracy. And Tracy, Tracy was awesome. He was a man when I was, when I was young, and even now, right, he always held me accountable, um, but always remained close. Uh, he never called me out, but he always called me up. And there's a big difference with that. He saw potential in me, but what made Tracy Tracy is that he created a safe place, a safe space, so that I can do some serious faith business, right? Where I can go to him and just talk and confess where I'm at, my wrongs. And let me say this. One of the most freeing feelings in this world is unloading everything on something, someone. Your wrongs, your fears, your doubts, your shame, and they just give you a smile, right? You deserve to get, you feel like you deserve to be smacked in the head, right? But instead, you receive grace and kindness, right? And these mentors in my life, Tracy specifically, created this safe place, again, for me to do some serious faith business. And if some of you guys who know Tracy, that's all he was about, Right? And I can reach out and talk about my sin and where I'm at and where I messed up. And when all that shame is met 
with grace? Like, oh my gosh, that is like weight lifted off your shoulders. That, that is an amazing feeling. And Tracy, right? I have so many Tracy stories. Like, I have a million, okay? He's an amazing man. But what hits me more is, is having conversations on the phone with him um, while he was in the hospital going through his chemo treatments. I, I specifically remember um, I had just graduated with my undergrad from FIU, and um, I was at this moment in space where I had no idea what I wanted to do, right? I was scared. There's just fear there, and, and there are some decisions I made in my life that I wasn't proud of. And I, I messaged Tracy on the phone. I'm like, hey, man, can you, can you give me a call? And he immediately calls me. And we have a conversation. I tell him that in the beginning of the conversation, I'm like, hey, by the way, I graduated, all right? But then the rest of the conversation was focused on my fears, my doubts, and places where I was flat out wrong in my life. And with, with a, a weak voice, his answer, with a weak voice, but for some reason it was energized. I'll never forget this. I wrote it down. He said this to me. He said, congratulations. I'm praying that you'll receive enough guidance from within yourself and others to make a good choice for yourself. I don't know of anyone that has not modified their choices along the way as they grow and develop with what life brings our way. But I have peace, loving, and living with the faith God gives me. I trust him. And this is, this is what he told me. And, and just like that, there's peace. Right, there's a weight lifted off. There's so much kindness in his voice. And I can't help but go back to the scripture that Bill mentioned earlier. It's James 5.16, and I'm going to say it again. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And some of you guys here might know Tracy. He was a righteous man, if you didn't catch a, catch a hint. All right? But I can't explain it. There's a blessing that comes from confessing to those we trust and love. Like, I, I can't explain it. And when I confessed my wrongs to Tracy, honestly, I felt like he should have hit me in the head, right? And I would have been totally fine with it if he did that. But instead, I was received with grace, kindness, and encouragement. And it is very difficult to articulate. I said this before. It is very difficult to articulate with English words how freeing that felt for me, especially in this space, in this moment. Now, Tracy isn't here with us today, but the cool part about Tracy's story and that I hold on to is that what Tracy was for me, I can be to someone else. And not only does that affect my life, but it affects my fiance's life, my family, my friends, and the students have the, the blessing to lead. So that's my story. That's Tracy's story. Um, and it is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Louis. Tracy, uh, Tracy is a gift from God. And thank God that there are many men and women throughout the life of our church that create that opportunity for so many of us. But Tracy was a confidant in my life, too. He was a prayer partner that I could depend upon. And I'm so glad and thrilled that you found him as a mentor and a confidant as well. Uh, one of the standout highlights for me in my ministry in Tracy's life with and sharing it with us was the day when so many of us were together at his homegoing service. And uh, 
it was just so gratifying to look around the room and see so many young leaders like yourself, whose Tracy's quiet influence had opened up horizons of hope. And um, he would be so proud of you today, Lewis, for, for what you are doing and uh, for your teaching and sharing this with others. And I also, uh, I think that Tracy's widow, Sylvia, may be joining us online. So Sylvia, thank you so much for sharing your Tracy with us and for so many of our younger generation for so many years. Please know that we love you. We continue to pray for you. And we're looking forward to the day when we'll all be together again in Christ's presence on the other side. Um, have you ever had a splinter? You know, like just the, the prick of a thorn breaks off under your skin and, uh, and maybe lasts there long enough for you to realize that um, until that thing gets out, you're not going to be well. I mean, it is not going to heal until the splinter is completely removed. That's step five. That's what we're talking about. That's what admission is and confession is. It's like... Um, fumigating your house, but it's more than simply exposing the bugs and killing the bugs. It, uh, it's a step of identity. It's not just about getting rid of stuff. It's about becoming aware, a step of identity. It involves acute self-awareness, the spiritual exercise of admission. So in step four, what we talked about last time was that we do a fearless moral inventory. And then once that's done, now what? Well, what do you do with all of the junk that, like Lewis calls it, the results of that inventory? What are we supposed to do now? Well, you're supposed to admit that it's yours before God. It's a step of identity, of self-awareness. It's like looking into a dark mirror where then we take the step of integrity. First, we become self-aware, and then we go, oh, where did that come from? Me. That's my stuff. It's a step of integrity where we own the truth about ourselves, and we don't say somebody else is to blame for it. We don't dodge it. We don't avoid it. We own it before God, ourself, and another human being, and then it becomes a step of community. That's the admitting to God, ourselves, and another. That's the same community that we meet in the great commandment. Love for God, love for self, love for others. We're taking a step into this community circle as an act of spiritual discipline. And what you discover that Lewis has already talked about is that we let shame get blown away by God's mercy and by God's kindness. And yet Billy Joel is right when he sings, honesty is such a lonely word. But when you find a trusted, trustworthy person to be honest before God with, loneliness dissolves and shame dissipates. It dissolves. And instead, the results bring healthier identity, uh, clearer integrity, cleaner integrity, and then closer community. Jesus gets us. This is our series. And in this step, we see that he gets us healthier in our identity. He gets us cleaner in our integrity. And he gets us closer in human community. <coughs> community with God, with ourselves, 
and with, an, with one another. And so that's why we say it this way. Jesus doesn't let me off. Jesus doesn't let me down. So I can confess my wrongs. I confess my wrongs. His grace becomes like aloe vera on sunburn. And maybe that's just the medicine that you need today. When we confess our wrongs, God has a way of meeting us at the wound. Jacob is a case in point. Jacob wrestled with God. You might remember his story from Genesis chapter 32. He was fighting with God for a blessing that he knew he had to have, and God was wrestling with him too to the point of an injury. An injury takes place. Jacob never walked without a limp, but from that day forward, he walked with God. He always walked with God. Why? God met him at the wound. Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah chapter 6, he is convicted of a filthy mouth, and so he confesses these filthy mouth realities before God, and God takes a burning coal from the altar and puts it on his lips, and in that wound, God meets him with cleansing and atonement. God meets Isaiah at the wound. And then Thomas comes to mind. Thomas the disciple, Thomas the doubter, he says, I won't believe until I can see him. And Jesus shows up and says, then put your hand right here. And he meets him at the wound. Put your hand in my side and be no longer doubting. Jesus meets him at his wound, the same place he wants to meet you and bring you the aloe vera of forgiveness. John the Apostle says that if we confess our sins to God, come clean, admit, then God is faithful, and God can be counted on, and God is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May I read you a note that was sent to me unsolicited, but it speaks so clearly to this. Quote, I want to scream to you over the miles. I finally got it. I finally understand why Jesus died for me, that he forgave my debt, that he didn't just give me more time to pay it, he forgave it. So I'm not in trouble anymore. All this time and energy searching for that some little something to fill up that last empty corner of my heart. And when Jesus touched me, he opens my heart, pulls back the walls, and began cleaning and wiping away every last shred of hurt that I ever felt. My heart is wide open. Jesus and I are dancing on the wound. Does that sound like healing and freedom to you? And then the note goes on, quote, every now and then I feel a pang of loneliness as I travel or some disappointment or frustration, but Jesus pulls back those walls of my heart and then opens opens and holds them wide open to receive his love. Instead of letting me pull them in on myself and keep closed up, scared, afraid, alone, today he lives in my heart, and I am so very grateful and full of joy, close quote. 
That's the blessing that God is inviting us into. And so what I would love for every journey you're listening today to remember is this, please, our defects do not disqualify us from the future God has for us. God means for them to help open our eyes to our needs and then to God's love and then how sharing our wounds with one another will bring healing to all. Now, maybe you notice that we've come through an entire message on confession without talking about a confessional booth or about a priest. Do you know why? Because the Bible never requires them. Instead, it insists that we learn how to share openly with one another. Tracy wasn't a priest or a pastor. I mean, he was a, a normal guy. But God used him to help Lewis step in to the place of mercy and grace. Would you tell us how that happened, Lewis? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and just as Bill said, Tracy was just a regular old dude. Like, I remember when I was in middle school, all right, and I, I was finding out who my small group leaders were going to be, and I found out it was going to be Tracy, and I look at him like, really? Like, like this guy? Like, what's going on here? Did I miss something? But it, it took me just a week, just a day, to realize who Tracy was, right, and mm. what he was about. And what made Tracy Tracy was that he just simply listened and he encouraged. You know, some people say that every good conversation starts with a good listener. And in those conversations I had with Tracy, there, there was peace, there was calmness because of that. Um, I remember I was speaking to someone who, who had actually gone through these steps that were going over in this series. And I asked him, like, hey, like, how was this step for you? Um, you've gone through these steps. Like, what was it to you? How was the process through that? And he told me, like, man, like, and he wasn't a Christian when he was going through these steps. He said, he said man, like, this step I had, I had a spiritual moment during this step. I'm like, tell me, keep on going. What do you got? He goes, he goes yeah, so uh, I was sitting on a balcony with a really good friend of mine, and that was the moment where I was just going to confess everything to him, everything where I've been, all my shame. And mm. he told me he, he, really, he unloaded that on this trusted person that he loved. And, and he said, he told me, like, verbatim, he's like, the grass started turning green, the sky started being blue. He said, like, I could hear the birds, like, singing. <laughs> Crazy. And he also told me this. He's like, I want to feel this more. Like, I don't, wanna, I, don't want, I don't care about that feeling that I had before. I want to feel this more now, right? And I know him very well. He, he is saved, and God is doing amazing things through him, his wife, and his kids. And it is a beautiful thing. And that same thing also I was able to experience not only with Tracy, who created a safe place, a safe space for me, but a lot of the other mentors that I had in my life. It's just freedom. I can't explain it. But it is what it is, and Christ promises that in his scripture. So. so listening and encouraging. And I'll tell you, Lewis, in my interactions with you and in my observations of your ministry, those are two things you practice well. And I've also experienced those from your parents. I know Tracy wasn't the only one who has afforded that to you. But what a gift to watch you do it with others. And uh, so I'm thinking that maybe somebody today is feeling like this might be a step 
the next step that God wants them to take in their Christ journey. If that's you, and you're feeling like this would be a step for you, then how can you take it? Well, I would say to you, you need to pursue it. You don't wait for somebody to find you and say, oh, could I be your step five? No, you need to pursue it. You need to ask someone if they would mind listening and being that kind of prayer partner to you, a listening partner, a praying partner, and a confidant. So you find somebody that you believe to be a trusted, trustworthy other who can listen and can pray. So it might be a group leader. It might be a ministry team leader. It might be a friend or a mentor, a pastor on our staff. Um, now, if you're thinking, hey, maybe I could be that for somebody. How do I know if I'm the right kind of person for somebody else to ask? Well, then ask yourself this. Can I listen without always having to talk? Can I listen without interrupting somebody and trying to fix them? Am I gossipy? Do I have to say things that really aren't mine to say? Can I keep a confidence? Because if you can't listen, <laughs> and if you can't keep a confidence, then this may not be you yet. But if you can be a trusted, trustworthy friend, then maybe you're ready for this. By the way, this is what we want all of our pastoral team to be, this kind of listener, all of our uh, staff team to be, all of our group leaders to be, our friends, our spiritual mentors to be. I'd love for all of our ministry teams just to be saturated with this kind of listening and encouragement before God. We're going to receive communion today in just a moment, and that word can really help us out here because communion means we're all in the same boat. It's a common union that we're sharing with everyone who shares the common cup. We have a common need as sinners. We have a common grace in Christ's blood shed for all of us for the forgiveness of sins. And then we have a common hope as we share his healing together. But this isn't just something that you do once. It's not a one and done. This is a lifestyle of identity, integrity, and community as we grow to listen and encourage one another before God in the presence of God, in presence of ourselves, and then in the presence of others. How do you do it? Well, somebody said it, it's like breathing. You exhale the bad air, you inhale the good, and that gives you vitality to keep on growing together. So how do you do it? Let's let me just hit the points once again. One, make a list that moral inventory, you make a list, a fearless moral inventory, then you own it before God. You don't dodge it. You don't avoid it. You say, that's from me, Lord. And then you talk to God and yourself in front of another human being, a trusted, trustworthy other, and then you receive prayer and freedom from shame in love by faith. This is the kind of culture that we desire, that Jesus desires for us to share, that we desire to build for one another, and that we truly long for, for generations coming up, as we've seen modeled in Tracy and Lewis's life, and now Lewis and so many others, and our student ministry team leaders, and our student ministry staff pastors. 
safe enough where we can get real with one another and the forgiving grace of God. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of your church, the gift of your people, the gift of mentors who listen carefully and speak kindly and are, are willing to apply the grace that you have purchased for us on the cross. And we pray that today your grace would fill every place where every person is connecting with us and desiring to step full into your truth. Maybe this prayer is the prayer he would have you pray, brother, sister. Help me, Lord, as I try to face the truth about me. Thank you that there is no condemnation in Christ. Help me step out of my secrets and into your freedom. And if you have not yet trusted Christ in the forgiveness of sin, will you ask him to do that now? Lord, forgive my sins. Go all the way deep in me and wash me clean by the blood of your cross and fill me now with your spirit as I receive the gift of salvation by faith and teach me to follow you as one of your children. In your name I pray.